What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I think it will go back to the way it was. So yeah. This is the thing. I, I, this is probably the difference between you and me. I think things will go back to the way they come because I, I believe that fads can yeah. cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see, I could write a whole book on this whole subject of society and how it's changed and the dynamics of a society and whether it's politically correct or not, or whether it offends people. And this is another thing. We've become such a nice and polite society that you see, unfortunately, you cannot get truth or subjective truth because all our truths are subjective, right? You cannot get opinions without offending. And you have to offend sometimes to get truth from people because otherwise everyone wants to agree and be nice. And you can't have a discussion, debate, an intellectual debate without differences of opinions and thoughts because that's how we bloody grow through uncomfort. And by pushing to the edges of someone's thought process to really see what's making them tick and what makes them believe in this. And so we were tallying on this idea and, and... I give you an example. In, in 100 years, male testosterone levels have dropped by 300 points. Mm-hmm. It's 300 times less than it was 100 years ago. Right. And Nietzsche in the 1890s, in the 1890s, the wonderful philosopher Nietzsche wrote that we would come a time when the woman would become the man and the man would become the woman. And that was in the 1890s. Nietzsche was one of the greatest psychologists and philosophers of, in, in modern world history, right? It's like, you know, it's, and it's no coincidence. George Orwell wrote about this in 1984. Aldous Huxley in his Brave New World yeah. also yeah. wrote about this, right? It's like, it's yeah. bloody kid. It's, and, and now we have the metaverse and virtual reality and, and, and this is the reality we've come to. And I don't know, you see, there is two types of people. There are those who gain experience, the intellectual types who gain experience through books and through, and now everyone can get experience through, through the internet. And now we have a whole array of what we call YouTube trainers. They watch a few videos, they'll train dogs sitting and, and, and it's like, okay, well, I, I've become, now I've become a trainer, right? And we call them the YouTube trainers. Gene England, one of the first men to, 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 to invent table training, talented guy, innovative, creative, you know, those things are long gone now. And he created something and then it got onto YouTube and everyone across the world was putting dogs on the table. And they didn't even understand the philosophy and reason behind putting a dog on the table. And you see, now they're doing it and you say, well, why are you doing it? Well, this is table training, but what is the principle? Well, I don't really know the principle or what they will do because their egos want to remain intact is make something up. this is the reality we have and and, and unfortunately there are loads of experts but unfortunately not lived through experience and there's a whole it's a whole different world when we discuss what is lived experience and there was a time when we were judged on lived experience our work spoke for itself not just the market 
thing or the or the or you know the friendship circles or because I'm liked by everyone. So I think that you know it's 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 uh, but as I say to you, I think you know that that there it's no coincidence that the death of the working dog, the emancipation of dogs, the the humanization of the dog has all come about because I think for my own opinion, I think less and less women are having children in modern society. Women are having children maybe in their 40s. And you can't take away the very ethics of human nature, of of the male and the female, right? I mean, then we can go into a whole different Mm -hmm. kettle of fish and we can go into, you know, a whole multitude of nuances and, and, and differences of of transgenderism and everything else like that and you know it, so there's a whole multitude of different things that this can open up a whole catalyst of different topics and and people get triggered and warnings and, and then oh well I don't feel like this I feel offended well this is what happens right it's all about the emotion yeah. and we never had time for emotions before there was no time to feel sorry for yourself. No. It's like I see more men in their forties now on medication for depression. I see more young boys in school with ADHD and being prescribed drugs. Mm. Teachers, the very last bastion of of children's education and safety, and to protect a child was the school prescribing them pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, yeah. unfortunately, this is the reality of the society we live in, right? It's a reflection and the working dog. Are we in a minority, Sean? Are we able to balance common sense with progressive thinking or what is termed as progressive thinking? Are we archaic? Are we Neanderthal? Or are we just realists and, and we see nature for what it is? Or have we risen like the golden eagle as demigods above nature itself that we become, you know, on our own plateau? These are all the questions. And they all relate to the dog. The dog is like you see now, right? It's that reality. It's only probably one... The dog is 1% of the whole world problems and, and, and the world itself and... You know, the dog is just a very tiny part of that, but how the dog is even affected by the very changes of a society. Right. <clears throat> and you, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really tough call, a call where unisex toilets are, are, are in most schools and cities across the world now. Unisex toilets in secondary schools. Uh, high schools, you call them in America, and, and children as young as five are being told, uh, taught about homosexuality and mm. transgenderism. It's like, does a child at five years old even contemplate and understand sex to that degree? No. Or is this some intellectual think tank employed at their taxpayers' expense having to, to, to 
tell these things to the government and to start putting this into the education system's agenda as part of, well, we're progressive and this is the way we educate children now. Since when was that? What about reading, writing, maths, English, geography, history, all those things? I mean, it's it's what we've come to. It's like, okay, you know, we call it mass hysteria, right? It's like, okay, so it's like, it's and what about the power of the individual? Forget about, you know, the, the, the tribalism of, of group thinking and everything. What about the power of the individual, the, the, the one who's able to have a free, independent thinking mind? And it affects everything. You see, your dog, you can take your dog in the park now if your dog's aggressive. How many people are going to take pictures of you, son, and put you on Facebook and then start slating you? <laughs> right. Look, I know women from very sort of very lovely middle class families who whose children got great schools and everything and they've been part of this local dog community and everything and then suddenly their dog's got to certain age where the testosterone kicks in, he's coming up as a adolescent male, like all males are bit cheeky but they're all in the purely positive camp and it's like okay and all of a sudden now this particular woman's been ostracized by the rest of the group for the uh, who she's been friends with for the last 14 months only to realize like well i thought we were friends for months. well that was until your dog became aggressive <laughs> and now we don't want no part of you but you can't correct your dog or say no because that's cruelty to the dog and its emotions and its feelings yeah, <clears throat> you know, and you brought up a point a little bit back was that we don't we don't discuss these things on an intellectual level. We don't we don't um, iron out our philosophy because we're afraid of being wrong. <clears throat> and you know, we can hold two different opposing ideas. Uh huh. And still be come to a positive resolution, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what it is as well? We can have a grown-up intellectual conversation yeah. with opposing points of view without being angry or upset yeah. with each other. Because what we do is we learn from each other. We see points of view. And this is true education, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to go to university to have this discussion to be able to take in points of view and differences of opinion and maybe and because it's all subjective and, and this is how we grow and we learn and this is true education and this is about having a debate without feelings and emotions which is what people tend to do nowadays and this is the problem it's like okay i shut you down we don't want to have this discussion with you no more it's like okay this is my point of view and that's it it's like you are this you are a nazi or you're 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 a fascist or something like that you know it's multitude of things. People could call me all sorts of things, fast or Nazi, until they see my skin colour, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that throws yeah, a wrench. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, it's, well, you know, I can't say I'm proud to be British. Why? Because it has a racial connotation. But why? Uh-huh. This is the thing, right? It's like, this is the world we've come to. Well, I come from a, a Hindu culture, yes. a, a, a Indian culture, and, and I wouldn't. I think the collectivism was only at the point where you had where traditions were passed down, right? 
into 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 certain and it's india is broken into many different sort of subcultures of of the sort of people pray different gods different parts of the states in india have different cultural aspects to them so the way they dress in different parts so it's it's really diverse right but it's always been the fountain of openness because of tolerance and the ability so tolerance is very embedded into into our culture tolerance and differences of others mm-hmm. is embedded as the fundamental core and i think if you look at the history for example you will see how many invasions we've had but everyone who invaded and conquered india didn't conquer it as such they became indianized we say which meant they submitted to the to the uh, tolerance of the motherland yeah and that i think is a very beautiful and poignant note to 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 discuss uh because it shows you through tolerance and through understanding of others we're able but to maintain our individuality as such and say uh uh-uh, this is the way we do it we respect your points and opinions but this is our thought process um and we can still embrace you and accept your thoughts it's like you can still come to my home right and and enjoy dinner with me and we can have completely opposing views and this is tolerance and respect of the individual's thought process even if they oppose us right and i think this is fundamental and i think like so the working dog versus the 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 the, the, the puritans of pure breeds right it's like you can have both but the problem is it's oh well we don't want both and therefore you shouldn't exist because you're going to ruin the breed which is what most purists of pure breeds would say well how do you know we're going to ruin the breed and this is a lack of education so it's it's lack of an intellectual mind a small minded and very petty narrow minded view my thoughts and you know i i from what i hear from you i think you're a very broad-minded and open-minded person and i think those traits are very rare nowadays and i think it's it's very warming for me to hear that anyway from my point of view no absolutely and i feel the same you know like for me it's one of those things where i can i can take from different I'm, you know, listen, I'm, like I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm only on the peripheral of the working dog world. My, my connection to the working dog and sport world is talking to, uh, real intellectual experts like yourself. That's where I get your perspective and and your ideas. And then I also talk to people that are in the pure confirmation show world. And I think there is as we talk, there are some very similar mindsets. We can all say that the show Labradors need, are losing their their proper look and function that a, a field lab has. So we all see that. We all know that the, that's the, the downside of the show world. But there is a lot of similarities and a lot of people working towards similar goals. So yeah, I, I think that we we I don't want to be closed off to either one, and I don't want either side to affect my 
my learning process. And so, like, one, my favorite professor had all these strikes against him as far as my bias. He was Jewish from the East Coast. He was a communist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and him and I got along swimmingly because we both sharpened our intellectual abilities to defend our opinions, but also learn that we had a lot of things in similar, right? <laughs> and so I enjoyed going to his class every day, knowing that I would disagree with 90% of what he would say. And I think so. For me, probably the most stimulating conversations are those who don't reinforce my opinions, but challenge them. Yes. Uh-huh. And so even it goes right into the dogs. Sometimes I, you know, my philosophy in training the dogs is to challenge the thought process, to make the dog think. And that's what we, rather than the dog doing routines like a robot, right? It's about, mm-hmm. and that enhances the relationship, and makes for a much more intelligent dog, a much more interactive experience with your dog. When you, we, so I have a philosophy, and my philosophy is we train the mind. Mm-hmm. The behaviors come later. Yeah. And so for the first one year I train a puppy, I take a puppy, the first one year I'm stimulating the mind and, and to open up the mind to, and, and to different variables, different exposures, different everything tells them, you know, this for us is absolutely critical. So I, I suppose, and you see how even through our own thought process, it now spills out and bleeds out into our dogs. Mm-hmm. And so we always say a dog is a reflection of its owner. So sometimes I can walk in the local dog park, I know someone's mental state of mind through the behavior of their dog. Right. Yeah, that's... It's kind of right. It's really so... Um, yeah, it really is. It's, and, and the thing is, it's when people... You see, this is what happens. You can spend... 20 hours on the internet googling and getting all differences of opinions and that's the beauty of the human we all have opinions just like everyone's got an arsehole everyone's got an opinion however it is only through the lived experience and interaction with your own dog and take yourself away from all the different opinions are you able to have your own opinion about what you're seeing and believe in the opinion of what you see because what you see is real if I look at the sky and it's blue, I know it's blue, right? I don't need to question it or Google it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and this is the thing. And, and so I think, like, I, I believe in the power of the individual. And I believe, I believe everyone has high intelligence. I think the ability to use that high intelligence has probably become lessened over periods of time through what we call, I call a progressive society, because we are being almost, people are being groomed to believe that you have to, that no, you don't need to think about it. You can just get that, pay for that information or just read about it online. And it's like, well, I don't need to Google the sky is blue. Right, right. And it's like, what I see is what the reality is. 
like if I walk past another dog and my dog's with me and the tackles go up and it's a little bit, you know, shifty, you know there's a little bit of fear going on there, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's like 1% or 2% of dogs that naturally have this sort of genetical weakness of having the hackles up, because that could also be genetical. So, you know, then that, but that's an anomaly, right? That from the best case scenario, usually there is something underlying there going on mm-hmm. that is factual. Like, it's, it's a little bit frightened. And so all those things is just common sense. And I think what's happened is we start to question our own common sense. And that's why I always say in the way I train clients is like believe in you, the individual. Like forget about everyone and forget the world exists and just look at you and your dog and that relationship and enjoy that relationship and get the best outfit because that's what it was all about in the very beginning. It wasn't that you could, so you could extend your social circle and make lots of friends and everything, because most of those friendships are usually synthetic. Um, If not all the time, certainly people have met each other and married when they've been in the dog parks and there's been beautiful relationships that have flourished, right? And that interaction, but predominantly you got the dog because you wanted a companion. You wanted to have that friendship with this four-legged creature and dogs are amazing friends. Mm -hmm. If, when that relationship is right, so, like, you know, but it comes, it can also be testing as well, right? Just like having children is testing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So it's the same principle. So right. It's like, oh, okay, they, you see the children go through stages, dogs go through stages. We're so similar, humans and animals. And this is the sad thing. We've, we've become, we've we've risen above nature. And I think that's, been a fundamental sort of error in in modern society yeah the yeah that's a whole pandora's box as far as technology and in the human mind starting to become become one but i we won't dig into that rabbit hole but as far as i have a question and this it might be obscure so bear with me so yeah Let's say I have a Pressa, and this is a training question. So I have a Pressa scenario, and I say I want you to build, help me build this dog's obedience and, and ability to uh, not be a mouse, but not be a lion on every occasion. And I want you to build more of the defensive drive to, with this dog. What would you do for me? And my, I have a second part to this question as well, but I'll let you answer. Could you work with me? Is that a mindset that doesn't really correlate to anything? Go ahead. Well, I will say something, uh, and, and some of my peers might agree with me and some might not agree with me, but there's a reason why I do it in this philosophy. I fundamentally believe in protection work. It's not a game. Mm-hmm. The dog has to have the mindset, the determination, the intensity and intention to want to damage and hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, it's not a game. So I prefer for myself to work my dogs in defense from 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 the beginning. Like I can play with the dog, 
with the ball or, or even a, 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 a flat ball or anything. But that's not protection work. That's completely the opposite. It's nothing to do with protection work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's completely different. And, and, and so, but that's all about grip development. Grip development has nothing to do with protection work. Protection work is what? Protecting the owner or protecting something through through forward active defense mm-hmm. so when you... and, and so oh, yeah absolutely so yes i agree with you yes i could work with you if you wanted a dog but you know there is prey and there is is defense and what you need is what i call balanced drives and protection work should be about balanced drives mm-hmm. and most of the dogs you see on ipo fields now a lot of the judge was scoring for high prey drive right and you could tell by the behaviors you get really nice bark and holes but it was a more yapping but it was consistent it was there wasn't you know i like the mm-hmm. the growling i like it deep from within deep down the stomach come here that attitude I don't like that. Oh, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. You know, and you can tell that in the box. Mm-hmm. The bark is like, come on, let's play, let's play, let's play. And the other one's, come here, I need, I, I'm <laughs> going to hurt you. There's yeah. a complete difference, right? And, right. and, and you, need the, you need the, come here, I want to hurt you. But I know how to grip properly and stay on. And that, you've got a whole ball game. So people selected for prey drive because it was great and great grips, no stress for the dog and everything like this, but real protection work needs some stress. Mm-hmm. Right. And defense is good for that. Creates stress, but it also creates aggression, strong aggression, strong violence. Mm-hmm. And we need strong violence. Protection work is not a game. It's about the, the it's about intention to cause pain, damage and violence. So when your second part of the question is, so when you're working with a client's dog and they have that, they have a specific need and you have to change a little bit to, 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 to fit their need and, and their lifestyle who, and you look at them and you say, okay, we should do this instead of that. How does that, at the end of the day, does that affect your specific uh, philosophy training well when you're training your dogs for sport competition or or, or whatever does yeah. that does that do you does it end up hindering your pursuit personal pursuits is it no. something or no. is it so strengthening I, no it, so for example i'm happy to lose a few points in protection work mm-hmm. knowing that i'm taking home a real dog right and I can train for sport work and I can train for civil work as two different, completely different things Mm -hmm. because I only have to make an association even with equipment, for example. So when I put a first saver on the dog, it knows, okay, we're doing sport work. If I put a flat collar with a, with a, with a handle on the dog knows, okay, it's, it's, it's real. And, and, and then I can train my dog without any equipment to know, okay, it's still real. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so these are all the devil's in the detail the devil is in the detail um, but to be quite honest with you to to train the dog's mindset to be 
really the earlier you do it and the stronger the dog becomes and if you work dogs actually in defense and you do it the defense work correctly you end up with a stronger dog by the time it's two years old mm-hmm. because what that dog what you're doing is making a dog believe in itself but the defense work has to be done professionally like really really correctly right. like you've got to really understand it definitely because you're pushing a dog to an edge and before it tips over the edge you bring it back and that gives the dog dopamine hope and that intensifies and that makes the dog even more bullish because it becomes so confident it's like the kid right mm-hmm. who, who gets in the boxing ring and you can't give him a spanking like three or four times because the fourth fifth time he's not coming back to that gym. yes yeah you can let him win once or twice and then maybe give him a spank the third time. Uh, but after the third time, then he comes back and he's got to win, right? Yeah. And that gives that increases dopamine levels like you'd never believe. And before you know it, after seven, after seven fight, after seven sp- sessions, he's now thinking he's invincible. By the time he's like done a hundred session, hundred session, it's a walk in the park. He doesn't care how many beatings he gets. He won't ever stop because he believes carry on it's resilience it's the same mindset that makes a marine and yeah and i think it goes back to when we talked about the power of independence how us challenging ourselves as opposed to being needing to to because when you look at most of those who perceive greatness and and and, and try and do success Success doesn't need to, and, and greatness doesn't need to be measured compared to other people. But greatness within yourself, mm-hmm. right? So um, it's about always trying, like you, you reach one goal, it's like, okay, so now I must go push harder because it's not enough. And sometimes you've got to have some, you've got to be your own critique sometimes. Right. And you've got to be your own critique. And I think sometimes there's nothing worse than complacency and starting to think too highly of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's, there's a danger, and I think that's the human ego. The ego is to, is to start to, and to surround yourself with people. What tends to happen is when you start to exceed people, you have two types of people, those who will try and pull you down because it makes them feel inadequate, or those types who will, who will blow smoke up your arse and tell you you're amazing and everything, and you don't want that either mm-hmm. because that will stop you from growing because you will start to believe it and you don't ever want to wake up in the morning believing you are good at something i feel mm-hmm. that's my own personal opinion right it's like <laughs> other people will have another point of view on this and another argument which could be just as equally valid but that's my personal opinion on this yeah for sure well, I definitely want to be able to do a part three in the near future if that is something that you'd be up for. Well, I mean, we had a very, very stimulating conversation and it was really riveting and it was um, it was nice to, to get some feedback from you and your thoughts and glad to say I'm not alone in many different opinions yeah. on that. On the progressive side we live in, and mm-hmm. and the, and the future of the working dog, and and also, 
yeah, it's been interesting, Sean, and hopefully we don't leave it too long. I think it's been a few years now. Yeah. Right? I'm going to, I'll wrap it up here because I just want to, yeah. what, what are some of the positives that you see in the future for the Borble specifically? There's always positives, right? Because it's going to take, you will at some point get one, two, maybe five individuals who will at some point say, you know what? My clients need a dog that they can go for a run with, go for a jog with, have a healthy dog that lives 12 years, is able to get up, doesn't have aches and pains or arthritis. And and there is going to come that time, but I believe everything comes in cycles. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we had the 60s and the, 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 like the film genre of the 60s, and then you've got this political correct thing now where, you know, you've got to have what we call token actors in, in, in different roles because it satisfies the political correct and everything that's going to go into another cycle in another period of time so you're always going to get that so yeah of course i'm an eternal optimist and i believe that it will at some point change the the face of the bauble it's just inevitable it's going to change Mm -hmm. because at some point people are going to say i need a healthy dog yeah i need a healthy dog with low maintenance and, and, and uh, you know, they, they will get that in the bubble eye, but I think it's going to take very active and conscious people um, to make this happen and very strong, resilient people, right? Because you're going up against a crowd. Uh, but I think to really have a working bubble, you're going to have to crossbreed them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of damage was done in the past. And I think you can say, well, 20 years ago, I've got to work in Bobble. But 20 years ago was the formation pretty much of a breed, right? Just starting to, to form itself, I mean, 1980. So they've had enough time, right? But I think it will change. I mean, if you have to insert another breed into it just to give it that oomph up, I don't see no harm in that. And you can have a working Bobble breed registry, which is something I thought of doing myself. But it takes a lot of resource and a lot of time. No, and, and I th- I agree with you. I mean, just look at the American Bulldogs, like the Scotland dogs, where they look a lot different than, say, your more Bulldog featured John- Johnson yeah. dogs. So there you have it. You have a performance Bulldog, and then you have the the lawn ornament or farm Johnson style yeah. Bulldog that's supposed to be the close guard, uh, quarter guardian or whatever. Um, it, it, and they look completely similar but they're different than you see you know one sleeker and has more of an athletic build and everything what you you talk about and then and i'll leave it here i'd be i promise you talk about the ridgeback would something like a a little bit of ridgeback and a little bit of something like pressa would that be something possible or is it just you want to keep it to the original i think if you Cross the bubble with a very athletic working line presser, I think, and you had maybe five bubbles that being crossed. Then you could take the best puppies from all those five litters. And then after maybe one or two generations and you keep working them, you might start to see something start to come out mm. good. But you know how genetics works. Uh, genetics, 
uh, can can skip three, five generations, and then you get an anomaly there, and you're relying a lot on 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 the decency and the honesty of a breeder right. to say, you know, that's what I've got, and and the culling of those puppies because you give them to another home, right? At some point, somewhere. You never know where you're giving those puppies. And you know, the pit bull men used to just be very simple. They'd cull them. Mm-hmm. In the old days, even with the Rhodesian Ridgebacks, they would cull the puppies so that ridges didn't, were not formed on the puppies. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't rehome them or rehouse them. No, they wouldn't. Um, yeah, for sure. And, you know, and this is where emotions have to be, have to be detached. Mm-hmm. It's tough love. Right. You know, I mean, the Spartan culture was a Spartan culture for a reason. It was detached. Mm-hmm. It was rigid. And and, 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 for, and the dog world used to be like that. The working dog world was very rigid, very strict, very without emotion. And this whole play on emotion, I don't know, so, you know, we could have a world war and someone could, like, like, you know, you, the modern man now would say, well, you know, I, I, I didn't really like the breakfast this morning because I'm lactose intolerant. So maybe we should have, maybe should, we should start killing each other next week because yeah. I just need to get over this and I'm not really feeling it today. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, these things, this is, this is the reflection of the modern society, right? And, and you know, it's unfortunately eat out in the dog world and... This is why we don't have the working dog like it sh- you know it should be, and this is why we're having these open discussions now when yeah. it wouldn't have been. And uh, I'm sure that you know, it's, and it's not about everything at this place. Everything's about balance, right? right. So too much, too much of 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 going one way of extreme, unemotional, can be damaging and dangerous. So you need a little bit of human emotion there because. After all, that's what makes us human, right? Right. Um, and so it's a balance, but when it tips either way, it can be dangerous. So. Right, for sure. And I think that is probably what I would leave on now, is Perfect. the fact that balance is a word so underused, but so overly important. Right. Balance is equal. Heaven and hell, yin and yang, parallel universe, right? Yeah.